Hello and welcome to Super Boothers. I am your friendly neighborhood DoorDasher, Ryan Salinas. And I just ordered food. Ismail, Ryan, you're late with my delivery. See, this is my problem is I will this is this is my toxic habit is <laughs> I will go to the grocery store and I will I will I'm going to make this, I'm going to make that. I have come home, I have a refrigerator full of stuff and think I'm going to order in tonight, which I have no clue why I do that. And and then the problem is the next morning I'm like, I want breakfast, but I didn't get breakfast food yesterday. So then I'll order again. It is this nasty slippery slope. These are, you know, such terrible issues that a lot of people deal with, Ryan. It's a very common I really appreciate me having this platform to tell my story to my community because this is is a problem. So speaking of speaking of 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 people uh, that go grocery shopping that don't cook, uh, our our (laughs) our guest today, Chris Collins of Booth Book. Chris, welcome to the show. You can unmute yourself now, Chris. Hello. There we go. <laughs> there we go. So this is where tech support comes into play. I'm a good cook, but I do that. I like throwing away fridgefuls of food after I'm sat there guiltily full on a pizza. You cannot boil water without burning it. <laughs> the only thing you make in the kitchen that's hot is toast. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed our professional introduction of you, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having yeah. me. I think um, we're happy to have you join the conversation because... Are I we? think all three all three of us are really like lovers of systems and automation. I know Ryan, uh, little things like that make you very happy. I've seen you like get excited over tools and apps just because of like little uh, things that they do to make your life easier. And You've I think that's something nothing. that we all. Yeah, yeah, I've seen stuff. I've seen. You don't stuff. know my life. <laughs> seen, I've seen a little bit <laughs> over the years. Yeah, I, I like uh, how in the be- I like how in the beginning, like season one, we'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I got to start all over again." Now it's just like, "Nope, I hate everything." <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think that's a unique thing that we all three of us enjoy and love. And I think that's a, a lot of people when they start their business, they're they're in the mindset of I got to do everything myself. I got to save money. I got to DIY, blah, blah, blah. And as you progress and grow, you start to really appreciate the value of saving time and automating and, and doing those things. So hopefully that's something that we can dive into together. Uh, but just first to get people to know you a little bit better, Chris, can you talk a little bit about how you got into the industry to begin with and then how do you went from there to building your own software? Yeah. So, um, I'm based, uh, in the United Kingdom, as you can probably tell by the accent and we kind of run a few years behind America, I think. And we'd started to see some of these things popping up at parties. Um, and we kind of like the look of them. And I was running a, a marketing and a web design agency at the time. And we ended up building a site out for one of the first sort of photo booth companies in the UK. Uh, and we started by building them a simple booking form because the guy said he was getting too much business through and couldn't handle it all. Um, and I built it out and, you know, geographically we weren't stepping on each other's toes. And so he sort of gave me a bit of a hand to, to get myself up and running with my own photo booth company. Uh, and I started that back in 2013. Um, we sort of grew from that point onwards, started with one booth. I'm now on about 20 booths. Um, and yeah, I've sort of been through it all, really. Getting started as a one-man band, uh, learning what it's like to get really busy, dealing with lots of events on the weekends and then sort of a midweek lull and and just trying to balance your time between, um, yeah, running the events on the weekends and then, you know, keeping up with admin and stuff during the week. So it's been a long road, but we've got there and uh, life is much easier now with automation. And so, yeah, I guess that's what I'm here to talk about today, really. 
I feel like that's something that a lot of us take for granted. It, it reminds me of the first time I went to PBX and I, you know, you start talking to people again to know people. Um, there's a, still a good segment of people out there. Like I've met people that don't even have websites, uh, people that type up every contract uh, manually. Like there's a lot of people that, you know, don't have a booking form on their site and manually track things on their own calendar by yeah. hand. So th- there's still a huge segment of people that are not even aware of the benefits of automation and things that you can do. Are there any specific examples that you point to as like easy uh, wins that everybody should be doing in terms yeah. of automating and, and systems incorporation? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the when I first started out, I would email every single uh, bride. Say it's a they had an email back then? <laughs> yeah. And I would email every single bride. You didn't write a proposal on a cave? Well, we'll get onto that in a minute, actually. I've got handwritten letters coming uh, as part of this. But Perfect, um, perfect. <laughs> I used to email every bride before the event and say, you know, we're looking forward to seeing you uh, in four weeks' time. Uh, you haven't got a scrapbook included. Would you like to add it onto your booking? Uh, things like following up after the event, asking for reviews, pointing them to social media pages, back when Google My Business was a thing. Um, and isn't it still yeah, a thing? I, oh, they change it every few years, don't they? Maybe it is still called that. Uh, it is. Google Pages before was it something else? Ah. Uh. But um, yeah, as you, you know, that was easy with one booth. But as I got to sort of three booths or four booths, and uh, we started growing, I started forgetting to follow up with people. And it was when we'd have emails come through saying, "Hey, you guys are going to be here tomorrow. Are you still coming? We haven't heard from you in six months." Uh, that's when we realized that really we needed to start doing something um, that would not miss an appointment and would not miss an email uh, scheduled date. And so we started looking around for things that could do it for us. What like, um, year is this? Just for this reference. Was, this was 2014, 2015, maybe. So we'd been, okay. we'd got to three booths by about year two, I think. Um, and yeah, we because uh, I was already a web designer, I said, well, I'll just build something. So I, I put a quick form uh, I built a quick form in, in, in code and embedded that on our website. And then that put l- new leads coming in into sort of a, into a pipeline or a list of bookings. And then it would know the date of the booking and then send out automatic emails before and after. Um, and at that point then, you know, I was sending, if I was sending sort of four or five emails before or after an event per event, and then we got to the point where we were doing 250 events a year, and those emails, I was copying from a template every time, replacing the first name, replacing the venue name, um, and doing it all manually. To suddenly move from that to an automated system, uh, that was a real eye-opener of, wow, we could save a lot of time here, and we could actually focus more on um, going to venues, you know, building strategic relationships, um, doing more work on our advertising, doing uh, wedding exhibitions and trade shows and really just trying to grow our business rather than being stuck sat at a desk working in the business so i think that's where my love of automation really grew it's like i said in the beginning we take a lot of this stuff for granted like some people that are just starting their business and jumping into tools right away may not appreciate this but i think back to the very beginning like the bane of my existence was every time you had a booking you're excited Obviously, that's great, but you have to go into the contract and you have to paste in their name and paste in their event details and manually doing that for every single event every time. And then all of a sudden, if you have a system that automatically does it for you, it's one of those crazy aha moments where not only do you save all that time, but it's just off your mind. Like you said, you don't have to wor- worry about following up. Uh, did I get the payment? How many days are left? There's all these little elements that are just automatically off your plate, off your mind. And that allows you to focus your mental space on other things like growing the business and promoting and pursuing partnerships 
Um, so I, I guess, is there certain things that you've noticed, Chris, like as, you know, the top things that people should be automating or easy wins, low hanging fruit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big one is the ability to just book online. So, you know, obviously I built booth book so I can, you know, I that's the system I use every day, but there are other systems out there. Um, but the big thing for me was the ability to place a calendar on a website, have a customer come along, select their date of their event, see what booths are actually available because the availability of all your photo booths has been tracked with their own calendar. Um, so the customer can actually, you know, you could be fast asleep at 2 a.m. and a customer could come to your website, click on a, uh, on a date, select the, the booth and the package that's available. They could select add-ons like scrapbooks or different colored backdrops. Uh, they could book, pay down a deposit or the full balance. Then it would auto-generate a contract for them and they just simply sign the contract. And then it would auto-generate the invoices and log them straight into their client portal so they can then claim any special offers or, or get a link to install to their phone uh, so that they can you know, return back to their portal and, and pay off their remaining balance as they wish. And I mean, that process, I still talk to people today who are opening a Word document, taking their, their contract, replacing all the details manually, putting that Word document into an email attachment, sending it off to the customer. I even spoke to somebody the other day who's still doing it all on paper. So they book him, he takes down their address and details, and he said, great, I'll send the contract in the post. And it's just, I can't imagine running my business now with 250 events a year and having to post every single contract or even just replace the values in the Word document. I, I would just be nowhere near the size of company I am now if I was still doing things the hard way or paying somebody to do it the hard way. Um, you know, these sort of systems, they're, they're the cheapest assistant you'll ever have. Um, and yeah, I can't imagine life without it. Fast asleep One at 2 a.m., can... I'm still coming home from the bar. <laughs> well, that's the best point. You can come home from the bar, drunk, book my photo booth, <laughs> and I'll, uh, I'll take your money. <laughs> One thing you kind of just briefly hinted at there, Chris, that I think is really interesting to unpack is um, not that not only does these systems and automation help you save time and just make life easier, but you can also use it as a tool and leverage it to make more money. Oh, of so course. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like you mentioned the upselling. That's what made me think of this. But how do you use systems and tools to actually make more, not just make your life easier? Well, yeah, I think the, the true benefit of that is, you know, a system like Boothbook knows what people have booked. So one of the best upsell emails we have that's that's made us tens of thousands of pounds, which is, you know, $15,000 or, or more, um, that, that email it only sends if the customer does not have a scrapbook in their booking. So it can say, okay, 30 days before the event date, if this booking does not have a scrapbook, send this email. And the email will be, hi, first name. We can't wait to see you at uh, event at your event type at venue name on event date. I can see you don't have a scrapbook. They're such a great way to, to keep your memory safe and have guest write messages and stick photos in and, and look back on it for, for years to come. Uh, click here to log into your client portal and claim it. Uh, it's usually 75. It's down to 50 right now if you claim it before your event date. And that email, I know that that's going to go out to every single one of my customers a month before they're booking if they don't have a scrapbook. And they see it. There's this great thing about you know booking in advance is that you're splitting the wallet. So the customer pays the deposit maybe a year before their wedding. They might get a reminder six months before to, to pay another chunk of that off. And so 
a lot of money has already sort of left it and they're not looking at this big lump sum anymore. They're looking at these individual microtransactions and for them just to throw another $50 at having a book of lifetime memories, that, that sort of automation, it just, it converts every time. Um, and the fact or it's doing it for you. Until the next one comes along. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah divorce Are, parties. Do people, really, do people do scrapbooks still? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, we get one at nearly every event and they're a great upsell. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. That's a thing? <laughs> okay maybe i should listen to this little show or upselling you know digital mosaics after the event or canvas prints you know integrate with a printing partner so that as soon as they accept an order it fires off a webhook through zapier and prints out a mosaic canvas and ships it to their door automation can can do anything it's, it's really great well, that sounds fun and i should look into that <laughs> on, on that topic of using it to make more money um I think one of the most impactful things that I've ever stumbled across as a, as a concept is following up with leads, right? So I I feel like a lot of people can relate to this where you get tons of leads, um, they check the pricing or they ask you some questions and then they just fall off the face of the earth and they disappear. Um, is there ways to automate uh, or what do you think about automating the follow-up to those people and checking in periodically to keep that warm lead as a potential uh, convertible lead? Yeah, I mean, this is exactly why we built our lead pipeline. So, you know, somebody reaches out through a contact form on your website, that goes straight into the booking system uh, as a as a potential lead or a potential opportunity. Um, an automated follow-up goes out an hour later. Uh, our system has already generated a proposal for that customer. So it's a really gorgeous looking proposal with images, information about their event, because it knows about their venue already and, and the fields that they've entered when they filled out the contact form. And so... If you imagine that customer shopping around for a photo booth and they've sent an email to five companies and, you know, two of them have got back with uh, an email with, with a, a price in it, but your system's got back to them with this full one-page microsite website with photos of their venue, information about the type of booth they were interested in, and it's really fine-tuned and it's it's got their name on it and it, it looks like it's all being custom-built. And that was all just generated and sent to them within half an hour or an hour. I mean, that alone is going to boost your conversion rate through the roof because they think that you know you're really taking that time to um you know to really onboard the client in, in a nice way and i think you can charge more money as well at that point because you're not just a cheap rate uh, photo booth supplier trying to win every event you can with a quick email you're putting together these incredible proposals that are going to show that you're worth the money they think you know if they're going to spend this long and this much attention to detail just the first time I've reached out, imagine what these guys can do, you know, when I book them and they turn up to my event. But uh, yeah, ultimately, you know, there's there's five key methods to boosting any business that, you know, the first one is the number of leads that are coming to your website or are getting in touch over the phone or basically any in incoming sort of traffic. You have your conversion rate is your second pillar. So that's the amount of people that actually go from being a lead to say, yeah, okay, I'm going to book these guys and, and pay the money. Then the number of transactions. So that's things like your upsells and, you know, paying a deposit to begin with or buying a mosaic after the event then you have your average sale value which is you know boosting that value so getting a basic booth booked in for three hours but then adding an additional hour or adding that scrapbook or adding that um mosaic print after the event and then your margins you know not having to hire an admin staff and having a system that just does all this for you for sort of 50 bucks a month i mean those five key pillars can be dramatically improved by using a CRM and a booking system. And all you have to do is increase each of those by 
5% efficiency and you can make serious gains on your business. It's exciting well, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think you hit on it perfectly because a lot of times people focus on the cost of things, uh, whether it's software or products or hardware, or whatever. Uh, but I find that the successful people focus on the ROI of things. And I think you hit it on perfect. Not only is it more effective than maybe hiring a person, it's just better because it doesn't make mistakes. It's a system that knows when to follow up. Like things don't fall through the cracks if the system yeah. is set up properly. Humans um, make mistakes. Systems don't. And it's, uh, that's, you know, I miss things all the time because I'm only human, but I know that any automated system I set up will run every time. Like you missed her anniversary. <laughs> she, just, she made it the first of June, so I'd never forget. I just think it's funny. That, <laughs> I just, I just think it's funny that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the the thing that I really appreciate about just Boothbook in general that kind of isn't offered elsewhere is the sort of calendar check availability. You know, put in your email sort of lead generator, and I think that that one's kind of beneficial. That it's really only specific to our industry. I don't think many other industries could really utilize it the way we can. Well, one thing, Chris, I remember running into often as like, um, I, I guess a rebuttal or, or resistance with automation is people are always concerned that they lose the personal touch with their clients. Mm-hmm. If they're automating the emails, if they're automating the outreach, they, they have this fear that they will lose that personal connection and it'll be obvious to the client and maybe they can't charge as much and whatnot. How do you think about that? How do you advise people to think about that? I actually believe the opposite. I think if the system's right, I think it can look more personal um, than you just quickly copying a template and sending it. I think, you know, with Boothbook especially, we allow everyone to have their own custom subdomain. So that means it's booking.yourwebsite.com. So one of the mistakes I see a lot of people get is they get these automated tools where it says the name of it in the title. And all it takes is for one email to look a little bit templatey and they can see well, hang on, what's the name of that tool they're using? They go to the tool's website and see that it's a system to automate everything uh, that's been sent to them. And that loses you know, the reliability of, of, of what you're trying to put across. I think as long as your email templates are set up and they are believable and they're friendly and they, you know, they use the first name, they reference the venue, there's, you, there's a lot of easy ways to sort of fool the customer to make them really truly believe that this system is not automated it's you sending everything and i think that's where the true value comes out of something like this the only thing i think i've noticed is whenever people like in our system whenever they type in their name if they don't capitalize their first name or last name and whenever you send out all those automations it's always determined by that you have to like go in and fix it that's the only thing that i think is a, can be a little bit problematic because they know oh, okay i did this whenever i first typed it in this is a template you know but i think yeah. at this day and age everything is a template i mean we auto capitalize names so we make sure that it's already fixed um by the time we start sending things out but you're right there's you know they could misspell the venue name and it could be a very obvious um misspelling but then there's things you can do to do that you you could have your you could have something come in to email you or send you an sms message as soon as you get a new lead with the details um, and it could be peace of mind that you look at that and know that the next automation is not going to send for half an hour or an hour. Uh, and you've got time then if you see a glaring error that's very obvious, maybe you just send it, send something to yourself and you have then time to to click a link, log in and, and make that change. I mean, the key thing about automation is there's not one key thing that's going to fit every type of business and, and the way that everybody wants to work. Um, and we've found that, you know, with our thousands of users, the great thing is that we've learned and we've seen it 
I built this system for my own business, but I've seen it used in ways that I never even imagined. And it just blows my mind that something this flexible can be used in in so many different ways like this you know there's people out there that don't even like the online booking aspect they'll they'll put a contact form on first have it send a proposal and then only once the admins change the status of it and, and is happy to do that event then they send a proposal out um i mean that's not how i'd run my business because i know that it knows what booths are available i know that it knows my maximum travel distance and will calculate travel fees i know that it's only going to sell the products that I want it to sell. Um, so I'm happy for it to just run fully automated. And I'd say about 60 to 65% of all of my bookings are complete zero contact bookings, money paid, contract signed. Um, the only thing we have to do is turn up to the event. See, I operate the same way. Like I could never operate fully automated like that just because like our pricing flexes so much. And whenever you mention like maximum travel distance, I have none. Mars yeah. is my maximum travel yeah. distance. And only, actually, if, only if Virgin Galactic is operating that day. Well, then you just it. put in a good travel fee and make it so you don't set a max distance. And do you make sure it accepts planes and tolls and ferries and <laughs> charge $10 well, a, a mile? See, that's another thing is I never charge travel for any of my events. Well, there you go. Make sure your packages are high enough and turn off travel fees. Um, I'm glad you brought that up, Brian, because that is actually exactly what was going to be my next question is the other knock against automation that I hear sometimes is that, um, oh, for this to be fully automated, I have to display pricing. Um, so people can just book it without my involvement, but some people don't want to display pricing like Ryan just alluded to. How do you think about that, Chris? And how do you advise people to think about showing pricing versus not so that the whole thing can be hundred percent automated segmentation. So I think the key thing is the stage before people get to your booking system is that they've probably found your website on Google. So, I mean, we do this on our own website. We'll have, um, you know, tell us about your event or we'll have three very clear images, one for weddings, one for corporate, one for parties, and we'll send people down a different segmented route on our website. So if somebody goes down the wedding route, we'll have all, you know, we'll have a booking form. They can book and see wedding packages. If somebody goes down our corporate route, it's a contact form that will go into our pipeline. It pauses until an admins have signed a price or found out more details about it and sent a proposal. And then the automation continues once the book is confirmed. Um, you know, I think the you know, we didn't start this business just to be breaking even and, and losing our weekends to events. And I think the key thing that we have to look at is is our own roles and responsibilities in our own companies. Um, there's three ways to, to sort of alleviate the amount of time that you're spending in your business. Um, you know, there's, there's, for me, the first one is delegation. So that's where you start hiring staff to run your events so that you're not the one out there every Friday and Saturday night doing those events. Um, there's elimination, which is getting rid of the things that are not actually pushing your business forward. Uh, like, I don't know, say you design every single template and it takes you an hour to do so because you're not very good at Photoshop. Stop designing them, <laughs> send them out, get them done by somebody who can do them in 10 minutes and charge you $20 to do so. Um, and then the third pillar is, is automation. And I think it's really about sitting down and saying, okay, you know, what do I actually spend my time on each week and which of these things could be automated? An example I sort of hinted to earlier was we used to send a thank you note out to every booking when we started out. And there's tools now and systems that as soon as the booking's over, uh, you know, the day after the event, I have an automation set up that will send out a, um, a, a Zapier flow to a, a program called Scribeless 
who have got robots with fountain pens that will actually write a handwritten message for you using all the same variables and templates from our system. So it'll be dear first name. Thank you so much for having us at your event type on uh, event date. And it will it will write the handwritten message and it will use different pressures. It will have ink blotting. It will, I mean, it will look, you can't tell the difference between it uh, and a real uh, letter. And you just say there, you know, we'd love to, to be at other events that you're going to. Here's a referral code for you to share with your friends and family. Um, and before you know it, you've got a, you know, a $1 postcard handwritten going out to every single customer that has the capability to make you thousands of dollars back in referrals. Um, it, it's systems like this that I just love. They're just, there's so many, I, I could sit here and talk for hours about all the different ways that automation could help you grow your business. Um, but yeah, I think those are some of the key ones that we, we can sort of bring up. One thing I'm curious about, and, and this may speak to the power of automation, but I've noticed a trend where a lot of vendors in the industry stop doing events. You know, maybe they started with a photo booth company, um, but then they started a vendor business and they stopped the rentals. Mm-hmm. You're one of the few that still has a photo booth rental company. Why is that? It makes me some money. <laughs> it's I don't I spend honestly, I spend about an hour a month in a strategy call with my business. And I have a manager and a full-time manager who who um, get all the equipment ready to go out. We've got a team full of branded vans and, and, and vehicles and staff. And I do an hour a month to sit down at a strategy session and make sure that we're all on track and, and things are running well and we're focused on growth. Um, and then I, I take the paycheck. I mean, that is, that's the way that we're set up. And that's what delegation, elimination and automation has done for me. Um, and that's the reason, you know, I have lots of businesses and and, and properties and other things that I'm working on uh, is because if I was still sat in the driver's seat for every single one of my different avenues, I would never get anything done. I think the key thing to mention is that, you know, the real true definition of a business is a profitable enterprise that works without you. Um, if you can't reliably say that you could step out of your business for six months and when you came back, um, it it had grown and it was bigger and better and earning more money than before, then I'm sorry to tell you, you don't own a business, you still own a job. If you're the key person putting in 40, 50 hours a week to this this business, you could never sell it like that because you're just selling your time. Mm-hmm. As soon as you stop trading your time for money and you focus on using those three key aspects to, to build something that can scale without you, that's when you can truly grow. And I think that's maybe something people miss out on. They, they grow it to a certain point, then they have another avenue that comes along and makes a bit more money and, and they focus that instead. Whereas for me, I decided to to make sure that all my eggs were in the basket for every single enterprise. And that allows me to sort of step back and spend time with my daughter and, and travel and, and, and grow still your they're going to grow. grow my own. <laughs> I do not have an OnlyFans. Can I clear that up, please? <laughs> <laughs> I got an idea. We have links uh, in the bio. Uh, no, we have a reverse OnlyFans <laughs> to where we pay you money to not show us that. Oh, stuff. great. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the way you look at me, Ryan. With with the dismay and, and <laughs> No, I think that there's a good point here in like whenever you can have like some things that are automated, like a letter being sent out or what have you. Um and even though those things can be, you know, uh pared down enough to where it's not coming across so, you know, like template or whatever. I think stuff like that's always important. And you, you don't have to do nothing. You know, you can, if you like, if there's still key parts of your business that you enjoy doing, 
do them. You don't have to delegate everything. You don't have to eliminate everything and you don't have to automate everything. I mean, if you enjoy talking to people and you enjoy the sales game and it gives you that rush and you, and you want to still focus on that, figure out what you don't like doing in your business and then automate that. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Uh, you don't have to automate everything, right? It's it's meant as a tool to help you, not to take away things that you actually enjoy about the exactly. work. Yeah. Oh, maybe as a as a total side note, but one thing that I think a lot of listeners, uh, especially in this industry, it seems like deal with is that a lot of people work with their spouse. Um, it's like a family business. These photo booth companies. Can you tell us uh, your experiences working with your spouse? I know she's involved in booth book as well. Um, does that difficult? Does that make things easier? Uh, I think a lot of people just relate to that. So I'm curious to hear your take. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think certainly in the earlier days, um, Christina was a driving force for me to improve that work-life balance. Um, I think, you know, when we first started out, I had a home office. And so I remember getting my, my Photomaster magic mirror, which are, are not that lightweight. I used to get that up four steps in through the living room and sort of place it down behind the sofa. And that was that was what I did at the end of every event because that's where it was kept because I didn't have a lockup yet. Um, and I think when the business started taking over the house, that's when she said, you know, it's time to get yourself an office, time to get yourself a lockup. Um, it's, it's time to sort of change the way that we're doing things. And we didn't know how back then, but we started to figure it out. And I think having her there um, has definitely pushed me to to run the business better. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful for it because we've now got a fantastic life balance where, you know, if I don't want to go into work tomorrow, I don't have to. And I know that the photo booth is still going to run on the weekend. I'm still going to earn that, that money, whether I want to wake up or not. Um, and I don't think I'd have got there quite so quickly if, if it wasn't for her. I think it's what very easy how, to, right? yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I, I totally agree. And, uh, I think I, I, have a similar experience in that regard as well. Um, one, one thing I'm really curious about, especially when talking to someone like you who has you know, a database of thousands of customers and you've seen people's journey over the years, um, have, you seen, have you seen any data with your customer base or just anecdotally from following them and getting to know them uh, that gives you any insight into like what the successful customers or the people who end up being successful are doing versus the people who just sign up, uh, start the business and then kind of fizzle out? Like what separates the cream of the crop from everybody else? It's funny. I mean, we obviously, we don't have the time to dive into everyone's accounts. We don't ever look at everyone's data. There's, there's too many GDPR rules in, in, in Europe right now that would ever allow us to do that. But we have statistics and we have averages that come back through. And I think, you know, I would say that the major difference is, is it's all about education. I think the guys that come to me that are already going in and, and, and growing to, to multiple booths in very quick time, they're spending their time educating themselves to learn how to be better and how to grow and how to, you know, how to get more leads, how to boost the conversion rate, how to increase the number of transactions and average sale value and improve their margins. I think if you just sat on the sidelines hoping that it's all going to come to you, it's not as simple as just buying a booth and saying, hey, guys, I'm here, please book me. Um, I think if you spend, you know, one of my mentors, he, I remember he said to me, he said, if you, if you want to out-earn me, you've got to out-learn me. And I think that's so true. I think if you, if you invest your time on educating yourself, I think that's the best investment you can ever make. You'll, you'll make less mistakes. You'll, you'll, you'll learn what to avoid. You can team up with mentors and networking groups and talk to other photo booth owners and, and really grow with them. I mean, even doing something like this now, I've, I've given a few things away about 
the trials and tribulations I went through. And I hope that somebody listens to this and says, oh, wow, okay, that, that, that's me right now. And I'm making these mistakes. It's great to know that I can get to that point. Um, you've just got to follow these steps. And I, I think that's what's great about this in, industry as well as we're, we're not a big industry. You know, we, we, we estimate there to be 40 to 50,000 photo booth owners worldwide. Um, maybe some drop off, you know, around COVID, but certainly now a huge rebound with, with people looking to, to add side gigs and, or, or change their career paths. And I think the great thing about, you know, these industries and the online social groups and joining, you know, the user groups to, to do with the product software. I mean, our own, you know, the, our own booth book owners group is just a fantastic hub of knowledge and, and stories and, and growth. And I think it's, yeah, educate yourself first, lean on your, lean on the others in your network second um, and utilize that delegation, elimination, and automation to to make your business better. You know what's so funny is I'm, I'm glad you you mentioned that because I totally agree that it's it's interesting because the people who most need the education to improve are the ones that are like least investing in it. Meanwhile, the people who already like there's people listening to this episode, this show that you may wonder why are they still listening? They've made it. And I remember talking to someone recently uh, that offers education. And she was talking about how she's blown away, how some people are taking her program and she's told them, Hey, I don't think you need this, but I find a very common thing with top performers, like you alluded to is that they're always investing in their education, getting better. Um, that one little nugget from that one course or that one podcast, Mm -hmm. that one little nugget from that book that they read makes the entire thing worth it for them because they can then implement that one little nugget and leverage it to really get a ton of ROI out of it. So I, I, I totally agree with you that that's very important. It's just a shame that the people that can benefit most from it don't really invest in there, don't see the value in investing in it. It's Um, also really hard to do stuff like that. Like I remember, I think we were kind of uh, a decent amount of episodes into Superboothers. And I actually told you about this, Ismail. I was like, hey, there's like a podcast conference. It's pretty big. Like I'm thinking of going to it. And you're like, yeah, sure, go, whatever. And it's really hard for me to go into stuff like that with an open mind. Like it really is. So I remember I went into that and I went into the first one. And they were like this first like little class whatever. And the guy's topic was something like, oh, like you should like try and like schedule like meetups and build community and try and like get to know people like outside of the conference and or outside of the podcast. And I was like, hmm, we already did that. And then kind of go to the next one. And the girl was like, oh, you should like learn to batch your stuff. And I meaning like record everything in batches. And I was like, hmm, we already do that. And then I went to another class and I was uh, I think that one was like, oh, you should, uh, you know, use these particular ways to, you know, speed things up or record remotely or do this. I was like, mm, where do I record remotely? And so, like, the classes that I went to, I don't think really helped me or or furthered my thought process or whatever. I will say this. Whenever I went to all of those three, at the end of it, I went out there realizing okay, we are doing the right thing and we are doing the things that other people are Mm -hmm. doing. And we are, you know, kind of keeping up with whatever is, I guess, current at the moment. Um, For me, I kind of had like a little aha moment whenever uh, Terry Gross was, um, she was the keynote speaker for that. And for those of y'all that don't know, Terry Gross is a, a, uh, broadcaster on NPR in the United States. And she did Shel Silverstein's last interview 
and she gave and for those of you that don't know that who Shel Silverstein is, he's a children's book author or whatever, and he was just a, a, a well-known atheist, and you know he he was dying and is on his deathbed, and she's having this interview with him, and I think whenever my takeaway from that particular thing came on a personal level and I was able to understand how she asked her questions and how she connected with them and how, how she interacted with them in his effectively dying moments, all the other stuff I knew we were doing right, but I learned something else that I wasn't expecting to learn coming out of that conference. So I think that if you are old and rickety and, cantankerous and what have you still need to go into these things with an open mind. Like it's super hard to do that. And I get it, but I think it's really important to kind of like keep up with whatever's happening. And the crazy thing is our industry changes literally every 60 days, every, every 60 days, something new is coming out. Yeah. I think you you bring up a good point that you're not always going to get value out of every single thing of education that you invest into, but sometimes it's just the reinforcement of messages, like hearing it over and over again, or seeing them differently, or just validation. Like you said that, Hey, I'm doing the right thing. Um, but I do believe like Chris alluded to with those hubs of knowledge online, I think there's something about being around other like thirsty, uh, hungry knowledge, people looking for knowledge and improvement. And it could be even stupid little things. Like I remember sharing Trello with you a while ago, or just yesterday, you're walking me through Notion uh, and how you use it and how, like, that's a game changer for me. It's such a simple thing. I know I what mean, Notion really is, is, but like actually having you show me the way you do it is a game changer. So you never know these little, little things that you can pick up here and there. Um, but bringing it back to, to Chris, another, another, thing that I've always run into, and I think this is probably common across across the industry with different things, is first, there's the resistance with price on investing in things so that, that can help people. But then there's also the investment of time. And it's something as powerful as a tool like Boothbook or any other software product that people use. Uh, people have that, oh my God, it's so complicated. I have to not only pay for it, I got to spend all this time learning it, implementing it, setting it up, et cetera. How do you advise people think about that part of the the investment and getting something going? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think, um, I think it goes back to what we said before about automation, not having to do everything for you. Um, actually, you know, you could just sign up, you could decide just to do, get it to do one thing that you don't like doing and see what your life's like with that thing being done for you for a month. And then, come back to it and add another thing in and another thing and just start tipping the balance. And I think if, you know, if you can get it to do 10 emails to every client and you can get it to automate the contract and, and the online booking process and a few other little simple things like that, that you get even on the basic plan. I think as soon as you start seeing that extra time available and really having that to do what you want with, you know, for me right now, it's spending time with my daughter. Um, But I know before I had a daughter, I'd spend time, um, with me and Christina going out on date nights and you know before I had Christina I would spend time educating and reading books um, and now I try and mix it up and, and sort of do all three and I think that I didn't dive in you know even as I built the product I, it wasn't done from day one and it didn't automate and do everything it could do now we just simply found things that we didn't like doing and my business partner Ben he would come along to me and say Chris I, <laughs> I'm so sick of of sending invoices can it do that now please and i sit there and code away for a week and come back and we had an invoicing system and so I didn't use every feature from day one I, I I added it into my business as I went and I think the same thing you know can be said for anybody starting fresh or thinking oh this is such a huge task that I have to do to just to, to get my time back and 
you know, start simple. Just get it, just get a few things on there, freeing up a few tasks that you don't like doing, and then see how it plays out. You, you know, the, uh, maybe this is just me, but that's such an insightful point that hits me particularly because, for example, right now I'm, I'm in the process of hiring a new assistant and I was always resistant. I'm not ready. I got to get everything ready. I got to make sure I know what I want this person to do in full and documented. And then uh, my friends were just like, just hire them and give them something and, and then take it from there. And I think what you're, what you're driving home, at least to me, is that a lot of us have this, um, I guess, limiting mindset of I got to be able to maximize the value of something immediately. Like, oh, this tool can do a hundred of these features. I, I can't get to it now because I got I got to have time to do all hundred. But I think you drilled home perfectly that you can just give it one, and then over time, take full utilization of the benefits. You don't have to get a hundred percent return on investment immediately. And I think a, a lot of us suffer from trying to squeeze out all the benefits of things as soon as we get into them. So that, that's a great point. Uh, one other thing that I'm curious about is I'm sure because I've seen obviously all the features that you guys have, there's a ton of stuff in there. And we just talked about how it's a huge investment to do all of it. Um, but are there certain things that you see that are like the most popular um, automation tools that, you know, maybe people may not be aware of or underrated things that are underrated that you think most people or more people should be using? The most underrated thing for me is the proposals. I mean, the fact that it can just get and lead automatically it can pull out the details from a contact form and know things about the venue and, and everything else. And you can have a templated proposal that is already built for that venue. I mean, we do a venue near us called the Deer Park Country House Hotel. And I know that whenever anybody books there, they have the money because it's expensive to get married there. So we design a, a one-page microsite proposal template. And we have photos of our photo booths in their venue. So where we set up by the stairs or by the grand piano or out on the lawn. And we'll have this built into their proposal. So they they can see exactly how we work there. And we'll mention the key uh, contacts at the venue that we've worked with before and and and, and the way, different ways that we can work together. And I Name think... Name have But have that. It's so important. Name dropping is so important. This it is, is it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as soon as you, you know, it's establishing the no like and trust three key principles of, of selling online. People need to know you, they need to like you, and they need to trust you. And if you can hook in straight away and, and, and relate to their venue in a way where they've already known the venue, they've gone there and they've, they've met everyone there and they've chosen them as their provider. As soon as you create that connection and say, yeah, look, you know, the, the, your venue is already on our pre-populated list. Um, this proposal has already got pictures of our photo booth products at your venue. Um, you're just breaking down those barriers in, you know, and those hurdles in, in the process of, of converting that customer. And I think the most underutilized thing I see in Boothbook um, is the whole lead to automatic proposal to conversion. Um, and I'll see people going, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I want to use that. It sounds good. I haven't had time to set that up yet. And then I'll have people messaging me personally saying, dude, proposals, I should have done this six months ago. This is insane. We're, our conversion rate's gone through the roof. Um, we're not. We've massively reduced the amount of follow up and back and forth of emails and and questions. And yeah, I think that's the key feature. I would say blows people away. Um, is is the lead to proposal system? It's sort of mind boggling to me how people don't do it. 
And I'm, I'm like, well, how else would you do it? It makes no sense to me. One of the things that kind of happened by accident is I was doing an event in Cabo and really quickly, like what I do with my attendance is they complete an event report at the end of the event, take a photo of the setup, take a photo of, you know, what it looks like at the event, just to a prove that we were there, like, you know, take photos of whatever it is your space looks like. And most of the time it's mostly like technical stuff. So it's like technical for like, is your stuff taped down? Is your stuff in the right position? Like, where did you, we didn't have a table. What table did you end up using? Like that kind of stuff. And one of the things kind of magically happened is we got a lead from an event in Cabo at one particular resort. And I was like, I think I've been to this resort before. Go into the system, find out, you know, all the events that we've done at this place, click on the event report, found what the setup was copied it, pasted it into the new proposal, that client was just floored that it was like, oh, wow, this is exactly where we were thinking of putting it. So little things like that absolutely help with making sure that your customer knows that you've seen more, you've done more. And I think that that's something that they need to know is you've seen more, you've done more, you've been there before, you know what's happening. I, I can give you what you want. Just let me do my thing. I think that that kind of helps with that you know, consumer trust. Awesome, Chris. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, if there's any final parting words you want to share with people before we end the episode, uh, feel free to do that now. But I just want to say first, appreciate you coming on. I think the automation um, and building systems is massive, not just in our industry, but any entrepreneur in any industry, uh, just the whole concept of delegating and saving time and, and incorporating systems is a game changer. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, I hope um, I hope something I've said has, has been helpful to somebody. Um, I think, you know, I've been there. I've done it. I've started out with one booth, um, managing a full-time job and boothing on the weekends, uh, growing it to, you know, to what it is now. And I think um, those different hurdles and things I've overcome along the way, hopefully I've, I've learned a lot and seen a lot that would be beneficial to you guys. And that's baked very heavily into Boothbook as a system. So um, if anything today has resonated and you think there's anything that we could potentially help you with, please come along to, to you know, to boothbook.com, check out the webinar on the homepage or, or join one of our demos uh, or join our Facebook group. And, you know, we're a friendly bunch, ask questions, get involved and, and learn. And I think um, you'll have a better business for it. Thanks so much, Chris. Everyone, we will see you next week. Cheers, guys. Take care. <laughs>